KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power is presenting Indian fusion band Red Bharat, mixing Indian bhangra rhythms, hip-hop, and funk music, March 23rd at the Epstein Family Amphitheater. Tickets and information about upcoming concerts and events at artpower.ucsd.edu. Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Tuesday, April 12th. A wildfire prevention program hasn't delivered two years in. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. A hearing scheduled this morning may determine the future of this year's San Diego County Fair. Last week, a judge found that the contract for the carnival operator was invalid because there was evidence that the bidding process was rigged. County fair officials are now asking for the judge to stay the ruling, saying that there's not enough time to find a new carnival operator. John Moot, the attorney for competing Tally Amusements, who sued to invalidate the contract, says fair officials are stalling so they can stay with the original carnival operator, Ray Kamick Shows. A former caregiver who worked at San Diego nursing homes will face a retrial on charges of sexually assaulting elder women in his care. The decision comes after a jury found Matthew Flukiger guilty on three counts, but then deadlocked 11 to 1 on two other charges. Deputy District Attorney Josh Brisbane wouldn't comment on the decision to retry the case. In a move similar to what the city and county of San Diego have already done, President Joe Biden announced measures on Monday intended to crack down on ghost guns. The move drew praise from San Diego City Councilwoman Marnie Von Wilpert and County Board of Supervisors Chair Nathan Fletcher. Ghost guns are guns without serial numbers, usually made from assembling purchased or homemade components. Biden says under the new rules, ghost guns will be required to have serial numbers Numbers, and sellers will have to be licensed and background check their buyers. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. California has millions of acres of overgrown forest land primed for fueling catastrophic wildfires. In late 2019, Governor Gavin Newsom announced a new program to dramatically speed up the state's wildfire prevention work. But an investigation from CAP Radio and the California Newsroom found the program hasn't resulted in a single completed project. Reporter Scott Rod has the story. It's called the California Vegetation Treatment Program, or CalVTP. It was designed to fast-track the environmental approval process for fire prevention projects, without compromising environmental protections. And if you ask state leaders how it's going, they'll paint a pretty rosy picture. Here's Wade Crowfoot, who leads the State Natural Resources Agency at a legislative hearing in February. This California Vegetation Treatment Program, this essentially one-stop shop for permitting, for CEQA, for fish and wildlife permits, and for waterboard permits, um, is now in action, and it's starting to be used. Here's what he didn't mention. The state originally anticipated the program would result in 45,000 acres of completed forest management work in its first year. But more than two years in, CalVTP hasn't led to a single completed project. 
A few dozen projects have been approved. The Newsom administration declined repeated interview requests. In an email, a spokesperson characterized the program as a success, claiming it has expedited approval times. But that's not what the nonpartisan legislative analyst's office says. We didn't find you know, clear data showing that it had um, significantly expedited projects. That's Helen Kirsten with the LAO, testifying before state lawmakers in December. She added that it's still early days with the program. The idea behind CalVTP is pretty straightforward. The state performed one massive environmental review on over 20 million acres of state land. If a new project falls in that huge footprint, it can use the state's existing template instead of starting from scratch. But project managers I talked to around the state weren't convinced. I would love to use it if it was you know, a straightforward path to the projects we're trying to do. Nadia Hamey is a professional forester on the Central Coast, working on a series of 10 prescribed burns. That's when you intentionally set a fire to benefit the landscape. Hamey says she planned to use one CalVTP application for all of the burns, but she hit a bureaucratic wall. Now she's doing 10 separate applications using the old system. Forest Health Manager Jamie Tutelli-Lewis in Monterey County says there's a steep learning curve to CalVTP. Basically, we just haven't taken it up yet and felt comfortable enough with it to use it yet. And Project Manager Keith Rutledge in Mendocino County told me he hadn't even heard of it. So that's news to me. Nobody at CalFAR has brought anything up. I'll read about it for sure. I'm just looking it up while we're talking. Rutledge is leading a project to clear new evacuation roads, where two years ago, the Oak Fire destroyed dozens of homes and buildings. His team has completed a few miles under the old review system, but he says approvals have taken a while. The Newsom administration suggested we reach out to the Yuba Water Agency. Joanna Lassard is overseeing a 5,400-acre project in the Yuba County foothills, one of the roughly two dozen projects approved through CalVTP. She estimates the program reduced their approval time by about a year. We had the money, we had the people, we just needed the ability to get out there by completing our environmental compliance, and this really did streamline that. The state knows it needs to do more to ramp up its fire prevention efforts, but it's a sluggish process that has 85-year-old Luis Celaya in Mendocino County worried. It makes me very angry, very cynical, frustrated. When the Oak Fire hit, Celaya and thousands of others had to evacuate using the one road that leads down the hillside. The potential is so high that a fire could happen that could be disastrous. In Sacramento, I'm Scott Rod. A Chula Vista church that was providing temporary shelter to thousands of Ukrainians fleeing the war continues to help. But KPBS reporter Kitty Alvarado says its role has changed. Less than two weeks ago, Calvary San Diego Church was bustling with Ukrainians who had just crossed the border from Tijuana on the last leg of their journey. But now, the church has stepped back as nonprofits with greater access to government-funded services stepped in. Not because we don't want to be involved, but we want the Ukrainian families to get the services provided, medical services. That's Joy Metzger with Calvary San Diego. She says over 2,500 people found temporary shelter at the church, and they're still working with families, helping them find transportation and host families from their church. Sue Seidel is one of the hosts. We wanted to help them and bless them, but they have been a huge blessing to us. The Seidels are now hosting their second family, including Max Chernobai, his wife and two children. We love you guys. You're so amazing. 
So far, 75 church families have opened their homes. Kitty Alvarado, KPBS News. Healthcare workers in the North County say they can't reach a deal with one of the region's largest providers. KPBS health reporter Matt Hoffman has more. In Escondido, caregivers and nurses are calling on Palomar Health to bargain in good faith after more than a year of talks still hasn't resulted in a new contract. Gildardo Milan has been a food service worker for 30 years at Palomar Health. This is the most hostile and racist and most anti-union, anti-worker administration that I ever worked with since 2003. Palomar Health officials say they have been asking employees if they would participate in a strike. Chief of Human Resources Jeff Washburn maintains that's not intimidation and it's the company's right. He also pushes back on allegations of racism. That's fictitious, erroneous, quite frankly, uh, you know, it's, it's shameful and disappointing. We know that this was just a tactic for media attention. Palomar Health says their last best and final offer includes 4% raises over three years. The union says their issues are wages, patient care, and contracting out services. Matt Hoffman, KPBS News. Essential workers at Albertsons, Vaughn's, Pavilions, and Ralph's locations throughout Southern California are voting this week on a new three-year contract. KPBS Speak City Heights reporter Jacob Ayer says local voting started on Monday in Chula Vista. Unions representing food workers across Southern California came to a tentative agreement with the grocery chains on April 4th. Now they have a chance to vote to make the new terms official. Todd Walters is the president of the United Food and Commercial Workers Local 135. He describes some of what's in the contract. First of all, there's going to be some much needed wage increases coming in. Those increases will be put throughout uh, different classifications. We've got some improvements on, on some of the, the language in our contract, minimum, minimum hour guarantee, so that people don't have, have to have two and three jobs. Voting continues Tuesday in Escondido and Wednesday in Mission Valley. Results are expected at the end of this week. If the contract is ratified, the changes will be applied retroactively, going back to March 7th. Jacob Ayer, KPBS News. Coming up, a lab at San Diego State University is helping to look for very, very small life on Mars. We'll have that story next, just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by the National Conflict Resolution Center. Topics like political polarization and hybrid work policies can create workplace conflict. NCRC can help workplace leaders navigate divisive issues with the culture, communication, and conflict certificate. More at ncrconline.com.
A lab on the San Diego State University campus is working on a way to figure out if there are molecular traces of life on Mars. It's part of NASA's Mars mission to land on the planet and examine its rocks and soil, and maybe answer the ultimate question of whether we're alone in the universe along the way. KPBS science and technology reporter Thomas Fudge has more. PhD student Jessica Torres in a chemistry lab at San Diego State shows me a tiny glass tube she uses to sort through molecules. She can tell by their movement what kind they are and whether they are biological. Ultimately, she hopes to see those signs of life in material gathered from Mars. And where might you find those life signs on the surface of Mars? Where there's no water, punishing solar rays, and a high salt content. It's going to be a very harsh environment. So if there was life to be detected on Mars, it likely would be in porous rocks or on the underside of rocks, somewhere that's kind of shielded from like the harsh environment that is Mars. Life on other planets is something we imagine or something we may assume. But so far, there's no proof that life exists anywhere but Earth. Analytical chemistry professor Chris Harrison says the goal of his lab is not so much to find life on Mars, but to find evidence it once existed. We're looking at the building block molecules that make life function, so specifically amino acids. And these are like little Lego blocks that you assemble them in the right sequence and you get different proteins or enzymes and the functional components of cells. The glass tube they use to try to sort out the life-building molecules has a channel that's more narrow than a human hair. Molecules pass through it at different speeds, depending on their size and their electric charge. And that race through the tube can determine whether you're looking at, say, an amino acid. NASA has been successfully landing on Mars since the 1970s. And the first images from the planet showed a perfectly barren landscape. But eventually, they did find evidence of old riverbeds, likely formed by past water flows. Today, the Mars rover Perseverance is up there. It's parked on one of those dried-up river deltas, hoping to collect sedimentary rocks that show signs of life. Michael Meyer is NASA's lead scientist for the Mars Exploration Program. He says if we find proof that life once existed on Mars, that could change our conception of life in the universe. What is life? What do we know? All we know is us, right? We have one example. As any scientist, one example is not enough to constitute a way to understand the totality of what life is. Finding proof of life on Mars could demonstrate that there is nothing unique about life on Earth, that in fact, the creation of life is just a natural part of a planet's physical and chemical evolution. As an example, if you have volcanoes and you have water and you have uh, these elements, given enough time, life will start. It could be that easy. The human relationship with the Martians we imagine dates back to the 19th century. That's when H.G. Wells wrote War of the Worlds. Science fiction author and NASA consultant David Brin says Mars is one of the logical places to look for life. If we find life elsewhere, it'll be basically a pretty cool thing. And the, the number one candidate is not Mars right at this moment, but the 10 ice-roofed water worlds we know we have in the solar system now. He's talking about, for example, Saturn's moon Titan and Europa, one of the moons of Jupiter, moons that are known to have or believed to have liquid oceans. Let's say we find that life did evolve on its own elsewhere. Well, that suggests that life is everywhere in the cosmos. 
just bloody everywhere. And that's what I believe to be the case. Astronomy has also identified 5,000 planets that exist in other solar systems. So the possibilities are great. But for now, we're just looking at what may exist on our next-door planetary neighbor, Mars. Thomas Fudge, KPBS News. And that's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by the National Conflict Resolution Center. Topics like political polarization and hybrid work policies can create workplace conflict. NCRC can help workplace leaders navigate divisive issues with the culture, communication, and conflict certificate. More at ncrconline.com.